This episode of Crossing Fades is part two of a conversation on racism in America that we began on the previous episode. You know, I've always focused on, because my, my father was a domestic guy. <laughs> so he was an American history guy. He, he, you know, he was a freedom writer um, and uh, marched with Martin Luther King. And then he did a lot of stuff with, um, he was, a, he was, he worked to bring you know, the Klan to justice. He was a confidential informant um, with the FBI for years. Um, and worked with the clan, worked to get to bring the clan to justice. Um, and the chat, and so I never, I don't really swim in the domestic waters. But I, I, but working with, being a New Yorker, being in this, in advocating for human rights globally, I always say about eighty percent of what I do is international, twenty percent is domestic. Um, and one of the things I was involved in, at least with this administration, was the criminal justice reform bill. You know, recidivism, you know, and all that yeah. stuff. And uh, it's. It's difficult to, to there was there were no prisons before the Civil War. After the Civil War, there's prisons. It's a pri it's a private it's privatized. So there's profit associated with prisons now. Yeah. I can't speak at all to whether or not it's slavery. I don't know enough to understand, but I can I can understand that. If the government is running prisons and it's a for-profit entity, that's probably wrong. Like I can, I, I and and I, I go, how is that possible? How are people generating profit from prisons? That means you have to have more of them, and you have to criminalize criminalize more things in order for there to be for it to to get more customers, essentially. And and I go because their product is incarcerated people, so. In and in New York, for example, there's quotas. You have to make an arrest every month, or a certain amount of arrests every month. Um, they're relooking at the quota system. So if you've got a quota system, now you have to arrest people for something. Uh, and we there's a, there's a system in place of ta of it's 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 taxing people. I remember you used to tell me we were talking about the uh, what was it. It was the the the, um, the lotto, and you your 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 tribes against the lotto because it's a form of taxation of the poor, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it's a it's a regressive tax on uh, on the poor is a short way to put it. So I, you know, I thought I, you know, I read up on it, and I was like, wow, this is <laughs> this is a really interesting justification. But we have to in 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 New York and and in other states, you know, tickets generate revenue for the municipalities. Um, arrests generate revenue for the municipalities. Um, and there's whole industries associated with arrests um, rather than that generate revenue for the municipalities rather than creating social programs. Um, and, you know, we talk about the militarization of the police. We talk about the budgets and how they're using it. I mean, there's in, 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 in Kingston, New York, you know, where I have my apartment, they have an MRAP. They have they have a armored vehicle that's used by the U.S. military to to in in Afghanistan, right in war zones. All right, why 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 do they have that? Um, when would they use? And they drive it around. Everybody gets a turn driving it around. Um, in in Poughkeepsie, before uh, the holidays, I was talking with a friend of mine. He just went through sniper training. <laughs> he went through the twenty five hours of sniper training where 
the U.S. military goes through – the Marines go through seven weeks. Uh-huh. Would you trust a local police officer who's going through 25 hours of training to have a high-powered weapon who doesn't know how to calculate wind and angle and velocity appropriately? Would you want him ready to rock? Three, and and here's the Three other- days training when, when the pros uh, get seven weeks. And, 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 you know, the pros are, are, are in, in a military atmosphere. This guy's got a bunch of civilians floating around him. And I, I go, why, why is this guy, why is this guy doing it? Now, in the same respect, my father, we were chatting back and forth about this. And he goes, well, you know, the Brits have, you know, three, day, three deaths last year, you know, by police. And I go, well, here's the problem. The Brits pad their numbers. The Brits, when they have a problem called an armed response, which is the military, and usually it's a, they shut down like five blocks and then it's a bloodbath <laughs> and, then, and all that stuff goes into military casualties, civilian military casualties. And that's how they, that's how they embed that. So the European model doesn't work either. Um, but I think the challenge is, is that uh, we're talking about a history coupled with systemic I don't know. If, I, I would say I, I, you say it's racism, but there's more to it than that. It's it's a a blatant disregard for accountability because there's racism, but there's an accountability factor, and there's a right. protecting of the community. Um, right. That that protection of the community that's also coupled with this idea of of um, it. No matter no matter if you're if you're wearing the uniform, the responsibility you have is less than the idea of protecting the public, right? So this, what did, what did the, I can't remember the president say, what did he say, be hard, what did he say? Dominate the situation. Uh, and I, I mean, to me, it was, this is gonna get me in trouble. It's an impeachable offense, what happened at Lafayette Square. That to me is an impeachable offense. Um, I, I have a problem with that. Uh, Pack it. I have a whole host of problems with it, but why do you say it's impeachable? Well, I, I think that we have a, a president that's, that's, that's overstepped his, that's, that's in, in DC, you can call the U S military in. You're using the U S military against your own citizens. Yeah. Uh, and when, when you're doing that, you can't do that in any other state. Um, any threatened to do another state, but you you could the DC is not a state. It, it's it's a it's a district that that he has that that the president essentially has control over. But to utilize troops, American troops against Americans, I I I I have I have not only a big problem with that, but it's unconstitutional if you can't invoke if you haven't invoked that print the principle. What is it called? Uh, oh God, what's yeah. it called? Oh, I, well, the point is, the point is, they're peaceful protesters, and they were not presenting any kind of threat. Well, that's the thing; it's a peaceful protest that you're invoking the U.S. military to disperse, and that, and they were attacked um, by by the troops. Um, there's no doubt about it, and by federal federal law enforcement, the Secret Service. Uh, and so, if you haven't invoked, I can't remember the clause now. Um, then I know what uh, you're talking about. I'm- <laughs> I'm blanking on it too. Maybe you're faster at it. You always come up with it real fast. If you're not invoked, if that hasn't been invoked prior to, then then you violated the Constitution, which is an impeachable offense. And 
And if it's it's on film, it's done. It happened. The the point you make about stuff being on film, um, I think that's what uh, some of the folks over at um, the Dispatch podcast, uh, it's a conservative uh, news outlet, they're starting to point out: look, the stuff we know about that conflict with police reports because we have video, right? Like the George Floyd um, uh, autopsy, like the, the old, the old older gentleman who got pushed over by uh, police in Buffalo. Um, Police issue these statements that are confirmed false by video evidence. Right. You have enough of those. You start to wonder about the claims where there doesn't exist video. Part of what we're talking about when we talk about systemic racism or systemic anything, like you have enough of these kinds of incidents, and the you know the Ahmad Aubrey thing in Georgia, yeah, months local prosecutor wasn't going to prosecute these guys, yeah, it's insane, and nobody knew about it until the video surfaced. Unbelievable. So, so it, it's so the, the the challenge. So he's trying to invoke the Insurrection Act, and it's posse comitatus is 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 what it is is what what it is, right? The enforcement, the use of troops, and the challenge is is that this is this is a, a violation of the Constitution. Um, so, so it, if you look at insurrection in the Constitution, all right, and and the, the rebellion insurrection, right, which is um, it, it's, it's, it's part of the, um, it, I, don't, I don't know what the statute if, is. If, on, if only Nancy Pelosi and the others had, had just waited. Well, the, I mean, I mean, they could pop right? a second one. This is a far more cut and dry. Yeah. Yeah. They could pop a second moment, one, right? I guess, you know, I mean, I don't know how it would go, but this is why the one you talk about the Dems, they're just not, they just, they're not fighters. They have no clue what they're doing. It's 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 a. I mean, I, I'll be honest. Biden did sound presidential in the speech, but uh, the challenge is, is they just don't have the troops. They don't. They don't have, and they don't have the. They just don't have the the, the will to muster. Um, a a a offensive. They're always on the defense. They do have no leadership. They uh, they look. They had Corona. They have the economy. They have this event. And they still are are just hoping that people vote for them rather than mobilizing constituencies and winning hearts and minds. Um, you know, the first thing that I would pop up is I pop up Albert Einstein and his his business. Uh, he has these diaries, and he was a an an, an adamant uh, um, fighter against racism in later on in his life. I'd be popping up Frederick Douglass. I'd be popping up William Carney, the first black soldier to earn a Medal of Honor. I mean, I would be doing all this stuff. And then on top of that, I don't even think, I think racism is part of it, but I think the dignity of the human person, if you can't, if citizens can't feel safe assembling, which is what yeah. we are, which is something that you and I are very familiar with, with religious persecution globally, the right to assemble. I mean, if you can't assemble, you can't even evangelize. Yeah. You know, right. how do you, you know, by care, maybe by carrier pigeon, maybe that's a, right. I, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, we should, I wonder if that ever happened, but um, you can't assemble. That's a problem. That's a problem in most totalitarian regimes. So 
if if you're if you can't assemble, that's a problem. But assemble peacefully too. Um, most religions have, have you know uh, get persecuted or imprisoned in in totalitarian regimes, and now you're seeing that Americans can't assemble, and if they do, they're criticized or bad apples. And I you know the protesters that that aren't really protesters that are going after you know looting and stuff like that uh, mean that every every bit of protest is wrong. Um, I think that that's a problem. And the last thing I'd uh, you know I'd mention on this is I'm, I had some words from my conservative uh, friends earlier. Um, to my friends on the left, um, a lot of the rhetoric and the way they communicate about things um, isn't necessarily helpful in the project of enlisting conservatives and white Christians to this cause. Um, by that, I mean a lot of the hashtags and a lot of some of the terminology that they use, um, even if it's accurate, right? For well, example, white, white privilege, uh, it, the white yeah, privilege white, situation, the white privilege thing. I don't, um, I'm not sure I understand how, I mean, I've, we were going to talk about a situation, but white privilege inherently means you're going to take something away from somebody. Exactly. And I, I'm not saying that any of this is wrong. I'm not, I don't have a PhD in white privilege, but the fact of the matter is, is that it's, it's always meant to be patronizing and, yeah. and then an attack. And that, that's, that's probably not going to be go, go over well with your, with your crew. Right. Yeah. Well, the implication, the implication is if, if someone has privilege and you're challenging it, the implication is there's a, there's a, they want to take it away. They want to take something away. So even if I agreed uh, with with what they, you know, the concept or who, however anybody defines it, the point is it's it's not useful if our goal really is to win hearts and minds uh, to join together on this. Uh, let's talk, like you said, about the lack of human dignity, where dignity has been stolen from people. Um, and, uh, and people have been oppressed. Let's talk about that. Uh, I think that's a more compelling story again, for the sake of winning hearts and minds. Um, you know, one of the other, one of the other terminologies, and again, I'm not, I'm not stuck on this, but this term microaggression, right? Um, it's been exaggerated in, uh, a lot of college campuses, right? To, be, to often be applied to disagreeing with me. Right, that's a microaggression. How how dare you challenge me in a in public? Right. Um, but I, I've seen in some instances, um, folks have described, say, the you know, the experience of um, the the black um, adolescent, you know, putting his hoodie up on on the way to the barber because it was raining, um, as a microaggression from police. Huh. It may be accurate. Like I'm not quibbling with the fact um, or even the description, but. I think terminology, when you're trying to win over people who don't get it, who don't see it, things like, you know, surveillance or police overreach, you know, whatever you want to call it, I'm looking for terminologies that uh, win people over, that communicate to people you need as allies. Yeah, yeah. That's my last. So no, I, but I, I, well, we, well, we have, we, yeah, go well, ahead. Well, when it comes to dating a human person, I, one of the things that I am, that I, that I just I would have liked to have seen more as as faith leaders hit the streets in the '60s, '70s, you know, '50s. These, these faith leaders were hitting the streets. I saw some priests on bended knee protecting other protesters. Well, 
you know, the faith, having the faith communities come together because dignity of the human person is universal. Uh, and that is something that ties to racism, ties to culpability, responsibility, fighting oppression, all these different things. Um, I thought that was, that was something that was largely absent. Um, that was one. And then like I said, there's not, there's not enough, there's a lot of, a lot of social media stuff going on. And as someone who's been a practitioner, you know, t- dedicated my, most of my professional and personal life to vulnerable populations, I understand what, you know, 50,000 or 100,000 likes does, yeah. but I'm always the so what guy and the what next guy, right? So, right. you know, I'm a, one of the things that I'm trying to do is assemble religious leaders to come to Washington to talk about this over the next couple of weeks. I'm in the process of making that happen. Um, that's, I think that's, you know, catalyzing the social media storm into something that is meaningful and can build a consensus and discuss the issues openly rather than it being sort of one-sided where someone says something likes the video pass you know shares it it's it's only it's only happening in the you know the one and two dimension but three-dimensional interaction with the constituencies at the table is what needs to happen and it's only going to happen if the people that are the influencers get involved. I mean, I'm on my way out. You know, I'm getting older. So I'm always trying to say like, like you're not that old, John. Well, Please it, don't go anywhere. I, you know, I, I'm lucky if I have 40 more summers, but the point is, is that, I mean, that's one of the purposes of Muslims for Muslims is mobilizing the youth so that they have a platform to interface with the institutions and inter- interface to, to actually take the reins I look at my role as a transitional person, assembling people, putting people on the poet, get do whatever it needs to do to get them forward. And that needs to happen. But, you know, I can honestly say from my personal experience, I, I, I've had a lot of run-ins with the police based on having a beard, based on people, you know, we talked to them in a previous episode about me being pulled off a plane because they didn't want to fly with me. Uh, shutting down an airport, being accused as being a terrorist, uh, shutting down an airport for, for tw- more than just over 12 hours, uh, an international airport. Um, and I think that um, and in multiple instances of things happening, I mean, I was pulled over. So between Poughkeepsie and Rhinebeck, where I lived, is 20 minute ride. Yeah. It's a heavily traveled paramilitary artery. And you're saying, what do you mean? I go, you got town of Poughkeepsie, city of Poughkeepsie, High Park, troopers, state troopers, uh, um, sheriff, and Rhinebeck police. That's seven different police entities. Okay. (laughs) When I used to live in Rhinebeck and I used to drive to Poughkeepsie to do work, you will see no less than five. And, and and more likely closer to 10 police cars in transit back and forth or in speed traps and everything else on in that corridor. And I, like I said, I have multiple instances, but we said we'll talk about this and I'll be very, very brief about it. Um, I was I was getting Chinese food in a parking lot in High Park. Uh-huh. Cop cars next to me when I come out. 
I look at the guy. He looks at me. I don't say anything because he's got this window up. Get in the car. I drive away. I'm three minutes down the road. Lights on behind me. I get pulled over. Hmm. He walks up to the side of the car. I roll down the window. I said, what's the problem, officer? And he says to me, what religion are you? I'm like, what? Goodness. And I said, none of your business. And he says to me, um, what's the Arabic on the back of your car? And I go, Arabic, what are you talking about? He goes, there's Arabic on the back of your car. I go, well, it's, it's not Arabic, it's Dari. And it's in English and Dari, which is a kind of Farsi, right? It's ISAF, International Security Assistance Force in English, ISAF. And then it's the same thing in Dari, which is NATO for Afghanistan. And he says, get out of the car. And I said, why? And he says, get out of the car. And he brings me back to the back. And uh, I'm standing there in the back of the car. And he looks at me and he says, turn around. And, uh, and I said, what, do you, what are we doing? He goes, uh, you know, have you been drinking? Or do you have any firearms? Do you have this? He goes through this whole thing, this whole litany of stuff. And, uh, and I go, why am I being handcuffed? He goes, you're being handcuffed for my safety. And I, I, and I said, <laughs> so I was, I was like, I don't understand. So Never mind the safety of a, of a private citizen minding his own business. So I said, I still don't understand what I'm being, you know, what's it called? What I'm being pulled over for, I still understand this and that, whatever. So then he puts me in the car. I said, am I being arrested? And he goes, yeah, because being arrested. This is, so he picks me up at High Park. He passes the High Park. I said, he passes the High Park police station. This is a Dutchess County Sheriff. This is the same people that were protecting the people that were stoning our houses in 20, in 2000, in 2009. This is the same people that, that shook us down in 2009. So there's, there's this systemic thing going on here, right? Um, drives past the, the High Park police station. And that's when I ask him, I go, where are you taking me? And he goes, uh, he go, and, and he says, I'm, 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 I'm taking you to the station. I go, we just passed the High Park police station. And, I, and then we passed the trooper barracks, trooper station. Then we passed the Rhinebeck station. So we're driving now 15 minutes in the car past three stations. I go, I, and I go, the sheriff's station is in Poughkeepsie. He drives me all the way down 308 to a garage where there's a field station. He then sits me down and he prints out a document and asks me to sign it. And I said, I don't, what is it? And he goes, this document says that you're intoxicated, that you were driving under the influence. I go, what? And he, I, I said, well, I'm not signing anything. And he says, it doesn't matter. I'm going to submit it. He then picks me in the car, drives me to my apartment in Rhinebeck, hands me my car keys, and says, I'll see you in court. That started an, an eight-month fiasco with the legal system. Now, I sit on the Civil Rights Division at the Department of Justice defending human rights with the Herrick Treen and you know, it was, it was you know, every ministry. I, I fight for the rights of people in my own municipality, my own hometown. I, can, I couldn't even fight this. I had to get a lawyer and the lawyer was telling me, this police officer is highly decorated, it's your word against his. I go, there's no evidence here. He goes, he goes, the, he goes, the form that he submitted, it was a deposition that shows that he, that he, that he, 
regardless of whether or not you blew for alcohol, it says that he testifies that you're under the influence. And the and the and the the the, the doc the thing that he prints out basically means that there's a machine in at this field station, which means that they can print out um intoxic intox, toxic reports Report. that say that you're toxic. And it's and it could be the previous person that was there that they tested. So and they just staple it to your to, to your arrest record. So I, the, the judge. So and then and so this was the interesting thing. I ended up spending eight months trying trying to go to trial. They kept pushing it away, put it, changing the date. And then my my lawyer says, "You just need to plead this out. Uh, we can plead it out, and it won't go on your record. We could do this, or just some kind of weird thing you could do." Meanwhile, I can't, while I'm waiting for this to be, to be dealt with, I can only drive to and from work. So I'm guilty right. before proven innocent. I mean, not innocent before proven guilty. And, you know, driving, they say driving is a privilege. That's why they can do this to you. And it doesn't matter if you're intoxicated because this guy drove past, like, like I said, didn't bring me to the, to the sheriff's office, didn't bring me to didn't bring me to the High Park office, uh, precinct, didn't bring me to the troopers, didn't bring me to the Rhinebeck office. He didn't bring me to other police officers. He brought me to a garage, and which was no joke, like 20, 25 minutes away from where he pulled me over. After, like I said, if I was guilty, he could have, he should have held me. Instead, he handed my, he, he dropped me off right in front of my, my apartment, gave me my car keys, and I, I picked it up the next morning where he pulled me over but it didn't matter because he submitted the paperwork and this guy is a this this officer was like you know he's a police officer he's man, man in blue so everybody trusts him so what happened so i i i i i try to get the court try to get the court try to get the court my lawyer's telling me look this is this is the hudson valley he's like you can't you can't fight this it's his word against yours. he gets up there he's just gonna say this this is the deal and i go but i've i'm this is who i am this is what i do he goes, listen, you know, small town type of stuff, you know? Yeah. So. And not, and not the American South. No, this isn't the American South. Well, I mean, you drive into rural New York. So what did I do? It's rural New York, but it's, it's, you know, this is Yankee territory. Yeah. So I, so I, so my lawyer says you got to, so if you plead to this, it doesn't go on your record. It does, this doesn't happen, blah, 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 blah. You just, you just have to go to a course and it's fine. Well, look, so, so I, 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 I weigh all this stuff. And by that time I'm fatigued. It's eight months of just driving back and forth, being nervous if I'm driving in the car. Um, I've already been through a near series of stuff with this this particular law enforcement entity here. Nothing that has has no crimes. It's just, like I said, then they stoned our house because of being Muslim. When uh, there were, there was a shakedown for for protection, there was all these different things going on. And in the Hudson Valley is where I was pulled off a plane at Stuart Newberg Airport, um, and the troopers were hyper abusive and wanted to take my bags out of my sight and, and search them without me being present. And I had to fight for them not to do that, to plant something, you know? Right. So, um, so what did I do? I, I, I fought it. I fought it. I fought it. I was fatigued because it wasn't a speedy trial. Then they decided that they were going to, uh, they said, well, if you plead to this, it doesn't go on your record. Nothing happens. You just got to go to a course. Well, I was sold the wrong thing. Because when I when I pled to it, I didn't realize that you go to a course and then they tell you 
that they can decide whether you are at risk or not. But immediately when you plea, you get a, a, like 11 points on your license and that's a $2,000 fine. Oh my goodness. So they're generating revenue. Then you have Dutchess Community College here. You have to take the course there and you have to pay for it. And the and guess what? Dutchess Community College, one of the one of the most successful community colleges here in New York State, they generate better than 50% of the revenue from these drunk driving courses. Wow. Now, mind you, I was not drunk. I didn't blow. I didn't do no anything. No test. No urine test. Nothing. And I said, I, I, I go, I'll submit. But the, he, he, he already had the paper in his hand and says, I don't need you to do anything. I got it right here. Whether you sign it or not, whether you do it or not. And then, like I said, he wouldn't put me in process. He wouldn't bring me to the hospital, wouldn't bring me to a police station. He just brought me home, dropped me off. And I just said, what the hell happened? So I can honestly say that through my ordeal with this and – you know, certainly there's no statute, so there are reckonings coming because, you know, I work with all these administrations and everything else. I, you know, I've taken some time away from it. But I can honestly say that I don't can't speak to the black, the, the black or African-American experience. I can't speak to that. But I can speak to multiple cases of being pulled off a plane or having a house stolen, calling the cops, reporting. I went after this and after what happened, I went to the different police departments. I specifically went to the sheriff's department. I went to the the uh, the troopers. I went to the High Park. I went to Rhinebeck, and they all said, "Well, this is." They said, "Well, if he's got that document, there's nothing you can do. You just got to go to court." And then the court, and then and then in court, they said, "This is this is his word against yours. He's a police officer. He's a decorated police officer. He has he's this is he's got he's gener he generates X amount of money for all the municipalities. So." They're not going to if they if they attack your file, then that means that they have to look at all of his other arrests. And that's not right. going to. And that means that's not going to happen. So you're you're in a bind. It's insane. So I, I, I think don't, those kind of, those kinds of experiences. Yeah. By and large are not seen and they're certainly not experienced by most white Americans and that includes Christians and I'm saying and it's, and it's because I have a sticker in my car number one number two is I'm saying this to you thinking and and thinking right now that it it, it puts me at I, if I'm in New York I visit my parents you know what my father says every time I leave the house be careful the cops every time I leave the house there's not one time that he doesn't say that he says be careful the cops he says just you know just be careful you drive the state speed limit, you do this, you do that. And I've been hearing some of this stuff with the videos of that, what they tell, you know, black Americans uh, and African-Americans when they're doing stuff. And I'm like, it's very similar. You know, when, you know, you want it, you're on your best behavior. Now that doesn't, and, it, and I'm, a, I'm not only a law-abiding citizen, I serve the, the U.S. government in many ways. I fight right. for... You're a veteran for crying out loud. I mean, all kinds of things and I'm doing, it's crazy. So I don't know, man. Thank you for sharing some difficult experiences with, uh, with me and our listeners. Hopefully this has been an educational experience for some listeners. 
Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time, man. And and like I said, it's um, you know, I think that we, we, we these this type of dialogues need to happen with amongst our tribe, meaning I guess whites, right? Um, so that we can figure out what's going on. Uh, it, it's it shouldn't. It we need to we need to fix the system somehow. And I don't know how that happens, but people much smarter than us need to figure it out. This has been Crossing Phase with Matt Hawkins and John Penna, a podcast of Roll Top Productions. If you like what you hear and would like to help defray the cost of the show, consider sponsoring us on Patreon by visiting crossingphase.com. Crossing Phase is available on all your favorite podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. We'd appreciate your review of our program, especially in the iTunes store. Let us know what you think of the show via Twitter at mthawk at jtpinna or at Crossing Faiths. Music for this episode is courtesy Vajra, whose music is available at thevajratemple.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. Show notes for this episode and more are available at crossingfaiths.com.